triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God, assist me to proclaim to spread to all the earth abroad the honors of Thy name. Jesus, the name Stayed upon the whole.
Well, amen. If you have your copy of God's Word, go ahead and find Psalm 1. Psalm 1. You can put a marker there. We're going to be studying that uh, this month. And I want to begin talking with you about the blessed life, the good life. If I were to go to maybe a group of men and ask them to describe the good life, I might get a varied assortment of answers. Uh, Some might describe a life filled with all the bees, all the bees. You know, a beach with a beer, some best buds, some beautiful women, bulging biceps, a big bank account, you know, living for themselves, you know, the good life, kind of like a Budweiser commercial. Um, If I were to go to a group of women and ask them to describe the good life, I'd probably also get a varied assortment of answers. Um, they, some might describe a beautiful scene where they're with the man they love and uh, they're there and their children are playing sweetly nearby and all the dishes and laundry is done. They said that's the, the good life, the blessed life. Uh, others might, uh, many women might say, you know, the good life, that would be a, a scene where I'm in a powerful position and I'm calling the shots and I'm in charge and I'm a VIP. The picture uh, of the good life, the Good life would be as varied as those that are answering it. But let me give you another uh, situation here, and let me see if this would strike you as the good life. Um, You know, all the good life we hear about in those examples has the absence of major problems and the absence of sorrow and problems and heartaches. Um, You know, the good life. It's talking about the blessed life, the good life. So surely there's no headaches, no sorrow, no heartaches, but is that really the blessed life? Is that really the good life? Well, let me give you an example from John Wesley's life. John Wesley, that name may be familiar to you. Um, He was the founder of Methodism. And a single page from his journal is quite interesting, and it lists a a group of Sundays uh, beginning on May the 5th, and then it goes to May the 12th and on through. And he records what's going on. And so Sunday morning, May the 5th, he writes, preached in St. Anne's, was asked not to come back anymore. Same Sunday, May 5th, that evening, preached at St. John's. Deacon said, get out and stay out. Fast forward to the next Sunday, May the 12th. That morning, preached at St. Jude's. Can't go back there either. That night, May the 12th, preached at St. George's. Kicked out again. Fast forward another week. The morning of May the 19th, a Sunday. Preached at St. Somebody Else's. Deacons called special meeting and said I couldn't return. That evening, May the 19th, preached on the street. Kicked off the street. Fast forward, next Sunday, May the 26th, that morning. Preached out in a meadow. Chased out of meadow when bull was turned loose during the service. Fast forward into June. Now we're in a new month. June the 2nd, that morning, preached out at the edge of town, kicked off the highway. That evening, June the 2nd, Sunday, that evening, afternoon service, preached in the pasture. 10,000 people came. One good one out of nine. When I read that, I thought, that beach doesn't sound so bad. Can I just submit to you this morning that John Wesley lived the good life? 
He lived a blessed life, not because he once preached to thousands, not because he founded a denomination, but, beloved, because there's a stability about his life. He's not all over the place. Um, He trusts the Lord, whether he's welcomed or he's rejected. He just keeps going and going and going and trusting the Lord and going about his work. And God used him in a remarkable way. But his life was not trouble free. And I need you to understand right off the bat, we talk about the blessed life, that the blessed life, the good life is not a life that's free from hurts and sorrows and pain. Um, It's not even a life where everybody likes you and everybody welcomes you and everybody wants to be around you. Everybody wants to be your best friend. But you might be thinking, why all this talk about the blessed life? Well, because we're going to spend this month studying Psalm 1. And I want to dive in deep into Psalm 1 with you. And I want to give you some lessons. I'm going to give you three lessons beginning today. So one today, one next Sunday, and then one on the 18th, God willing. Three lessons from this psalm that you can go and put into place and put into practice right away. But before we take the psalm apart and look at its various lessons and and give you the first lesson today, I want to look at the psalm as a whole to begin with. And I've got to caution you because this is a familiar psalm to many people. And I don't want the familiarity of it to rob you of a blessing as we study because we can never exhaust Scripture. It's kind of like the ocean. You know, the ocean you think about when you go to the seashore and you're there. The ocean is such a magnificent thing. And even a little child can play there along the shore and, and laugh as the waves crash in and, and, and have a fun time there. But beloved, even the greatest theologian can't wade out and touch bottom. It's like the ocean in that way. The Bible's that way. A child can understand some of those simple truths. So we start with songs like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And God created the heavens and the earth. And a child can understand this, but it's so deep we can never touch bottom. Even the greatest theologian. So I want to read Psalm 1 with you this morning. I'm going to read it from the King James because that's where many of us learned it and memorized it. It's very familiar to us. And it begins with the word blessed, or as we said it growing up, blessed. But uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Now even with just a simple cursory reading, we notice right away there's a contrast between the blessed person and the ungodly person. Uh, Tremper Longman III said, Psalm 1 deliberately draws two portraits in our mind. The portrait of a wicked man and the portrait of a wise man. And the question is then posed, which are we? You know, this is the beginning of the book of Psalms. As we enter the sanctuary of the Psalms to worship the Lord and petition the Lord, whose side are we on? Are we godly or are we ungodly? 
James Montgomery Boyce said this, the contrast between the two ways would be put like this. It is the difference between those who are in love with sin and those who love God. Those who love sin and those who love God. The first class love sin's ways and follow sin's ways. And the second, they love God and seek Him in the Scripture where He may be found. It's interesting if you notice the word begins with the word blessed and it ends with the word perish. The first word describes the godly person. The last word describes the end of the ungodly person. Now, before we dive into it, I need to remind you of some very, very important truth. We do not become godly. We do not become blessed because of our own merit. Because of our own effort. We are saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We've got to remember as we study Psalm 1, we're not earning God's favor by what we're doing. It's the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ which puts us in a right relationship with God. But that right relationship with God through the finished work of Christ, it, it, it brings about a changed life in us. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The Holy Spirit takes up residence within the child of God. And His goal is to make us like Christ. Romans 8.29 says it this way, For whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that is the Lord Jesus, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so the Holy Spirit is working to make us like Jesus. And sometimes those lessons are hard. It's interesting, I was sharing with the teens this morning, and if you were here for Sunday school, we were studying about uh, Isaac and, and uh, Jacob and Esau and that whole episode there. But you know, there was a, there was a challenge there. As, as Isaac and Rebekah, there was a challenge because they could not have a child. And, and the promises of God as they operate in their life are not always easy. But God is faithful. And so I need you to remember that we're not earning God's favor here. This is not about pulling ourselves by our own bootstraps. This is about living the blessed life. We realize that we're working from our salvation, not for our salvation. So keep that in mind as we study. Now look back at verse 1. It says, Blessed is the man, blessed is the person, blessed is the man or woman who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But of course the question must be asked, what does it mean then to be blessed? It says, blessed is this person. What does it mean to be blessed? You know, it's one of those words, we kind of know what it means, but it's one of those words that's hard to write it down on a piece of paper. You ever had that trouble? You know, you know kind of what it means, but how do you write it down in concrete terms? Well, you could also translate this word from the Hebrew, happy. Happy. One scholar says blessed means supremely happy or fulfilled. And in... You may not know, but the Hebrew word is actually in the plural. It means there's a multiplicity of blessings or happiness, or there's an intensification of them. It could be translated this way. Oh, the blessedness of the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. 
Frank Gabeline noticed that uh, blessed is both an inward and outward state. It's an inward and outward state. We enjoy this happiness in our spirits and we also enjoy it in our relationships with others. It's a joy. It's a peace. It's an assurance that, that transcends circumstances. Even when the righteous don't feel happy, they're still considered blessed from God's perspective. They're blessed. They're happy. But it's interesting. It starts out in kind of a negative way. Because it says blessed, positive, and then it brings about all these things that the blessed person does not do. And it brings us to our first big lesson. If you're taking notes, you'll want to jot it down. And the first big lesson that we see here in Psalm 1 is that we as believers, as followers of the Lord, we need to be careful who we listen to. Be careful who you listen to. Now, listening is hard at times, isn't it? You're having to do it right now. You say, oh, you don't know how hard it is, preacher. You're the one doing the talking. Well, that's okay. Listening is very difficult. In fact, you know, some people don't want to listen. You ever met anybody like that? You can't tell them anything. Reminds me of a story about a DEA agent who stopped at a ranch out in Texas and he was talking with an old rancher and he told the old rancher, he said, listen, I need to inspect your ranch. I need to inspect your ranch for illegally grown drugs. I want to make sure you're not growing any drugs. And the rancher says, well, okay, but just don't go in the field over there. And this DEA agent, he explodes. He says, mister, I have the authority of the federal government behind me. He reached in his rear pants pocket. He removes his badge and he proudly displays his badge. He says, you see this badge? He says, this badge means I'm allowed to go wherever I wish on any land. No questions asked and no answers given. Have I made myself clear? Do you understand? And the old rancher, he just nods politely, apologizes and goes about his chores. Well, a short time later, as he's going about his chores, the old rancher hears loud screams and he sees that DEA agent running for his life because he's being chased by the rancher's prized bull. And with every step, that prized bull is getting closer and closer. And it's likely that guy's going to get horned before he reaches safety. And the officer, you can just see his face, he's clearly terrified. And the rancher, he throws down his tools, he runs to the fence, and he yells at the top of his lungs, Your badge! Show him your badge! Some people don't want to listen. And not listening can get you in trouble. Not listening can get you killed. But so can listening to the wrong people. And that's what this first verse is all about. It warns us about listening to the counsel. It might be better if you think about it in this regard, listening to the advice of these types of people, ungodly people. Now you may have noticed here in Psalm 1 that there is a progress, but it's not in the right direction. We might even call it a digress. You notice that there are, so there's walking and then there's standing and then there's sitting in verse 1. Did you notice that? And then the ungodly, they're described with three different words here. They're actually called, if you noted, ungodly, sinners, and scornful. 
And I think this is significant. Now listen, all three of them are without God. All three of them are destined for an eternity apart from the Lord unless they repent and place their faith in Christ. But the way I understand this is that I studied it and meditated on it, is I see, and I may be wrong, and I'm open for correction, but I see these ungodly people mentioned here at maybe three different phases of ungodliness. If I can just say it that way for lack of a better way of saying it. Three different phases of ungodliness. First of all, they're simply called ungodly. And this might refer to someone who gives little or no thought to God. They're ungodly. You just don't think much about God. They give very little thought to God. The second group, they're called sinners. And this might be the people who may think of God, but they could care less about what God thinks. They're going to go on with their life and they're going to go on in their sin regardless. But then the third group, they're called scornful. And these would be those who think about God and they hate God. They are scorners. They're mockers. We would include in that group atheists and those who blaspheme the name of God. Now, they're all lost. They're all in need of Jesus. But you see how it seems to get worse as they go along. And it's a reminder, beloved, because the first group we said may just be those who don't give much thought to God. It's a reminder that um, ungodly people are not necessarily wicked-looking or sounding. They might be the most moral, decent people. People you'd love to have as your neighbors. People you'd love to have as your child's teacher or coach. I mean, people that are moral, people that are decent. But the reality is, if they don't know God, they are ungodly. They're without God. And we better be careful who we're listening to. Because the interesting thing is, whether I'm right or wrong in that way I see that, I can say with surety this, they're all speaking. They're all giving counsel. They're all giving advice. We've got to be careful who we're listening to. We're bombarded with messages today. Think about all of the messages that bombard us, and a lot of them are not godly. We have radio and television and movies and music and politicians. Oh, is your mailbox filled like mine? It's just garbage, 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 garbage. Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and magazines and on and on and on. And they're trying to squeeze us into their mold to be like the world. The messages are out there. You know, If your child's going to succeed, you need to miss church all the time and do this or that. Don't worry about church. Just do this so they'll succeed. If you're going to get ahead in business, you're going to have to be ruthless and, and crush other people. And don't worry about others. If you're going to be successful, you'll have to neglect your family. And the messages are there. And they're not godly messages. In fact, they're very subtle at times. And they're deadly. Sometimes when I'm traveling by myself, I'll do something that I don't do when I'm with the family because Danielle won't let me. But anyway, uh, and that is I will scan through the radio dial and see what's on the radio. And uh, that's pretty interesting. And I was coming back, um, I think it's one of that same pastor's conference I mentioned earlier. I was coming back that night. And I came across the country song. <clears throat> and I think I've hit it twice now. And when I heard it, I thought that's going to be a hit. That is going to be a hit. 
And I just it had that, it just had the, the sound. Just, it was going to be a hit. And sure enough, I looked it up, and it was actually nominated for the Teen's Choice Award for Country Song. I mean, that's big if the teens say, nominate that one. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I just, I'm just going to show you how subtle the message is. And by the way, some of you are going to be mad at me because you, you like this song. And I didn't pick it to make you mad. I just picked it because when I was scanning through the dial, this is the one that came on. And so I looked it up. And you say, well, don't go mess with my music, preacher. Oh, I'm not going to mess with your music. You can still listen to it, but you, you're going to be in the know. So I went out, I looked up the song, and I typed in some of the lyrics, and I found out the artist's name is Luke Bryan. Uh-oh. <laughs> and the song is called, I Believe. Now listen, I just want to show you how subtle the message is in a song. And if you get mad at me, I apologize. But I just want you to listen to the subtlety of the message. And by the way, it's a great sounding song. I went and watched the video of it. And for full transparency and full disclosure, I know a lot of songs that have a lot of bad messages. And I can sing a lot of those, and that's a different story. But I believe, here's what he says in the song. I believe kids ought to stay as kids as long as they can. Turn off the screen, go climb a tree, get dirt on their hands. I believe we've got to forgive and make amends because nobody gets a second chance to make new old friends. So far, so good? I believe in working hard for what you've got, even if it don't add up, quote, to a hell of a lot, end quote. I believe most people are good. And mamas ought to qualify for sainthood. Now, the problem is what the Bible teaches. I don't know if you realize it, but the Bible messes up a lot of good songs. I believe most people are good, but Romans 3.12 says they have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. We're not good. We're not good. We're sinners. Who rebelled against God? You say, "Well, preacher, you're just you're just being you know you know what he means." Most people are moral, decent folk. Okay, well, I'll give you that one. That's what he means. We'll keep going. I believe most Friday nights look better under neon or stadium lights. I believe you love who you love. Ain't nothing you should ever be ashamed of. Hmm. Why would you be ashamed? Seems to me that I wonder there is there a little subtle message attacking the sanctity and sacredness of marriage between one man and one woman. You just love who you want to love. Don't be ashamed of it. Don't know. He goes on, I believe this world ain't half as bad as it looks. No, I think it's probably worse. I believe most people are good. You say, well, okay, we'll write all that off. Benefit of the doubt. Now, here's the next part. I believe them streets of gold are worth the work. But I still want to go even if they're paved in dirt. So now we're working for our salvation. 
If I can just work hard enough, because most people are good, you know. If I could just work hard enough. And when I started analyzing the song, I thought, who wrote this? Satan himself? I believe that youth is spent well on the young, because wisdom in your teens would be a lot less fun. I believe if you just go by the nightly news, your faith in all mankind would be the first thing you lose. Now, I could have picked a hundred different songs. All I'm doing is showing you this. There's a subtle, wrong message that's being sent. But it's set to a catchy, tear-jerking melody that you like, that makes you feel good and warm and fuzzy. And you say, well, preacher, wait, that's just a song. It's just a song, yeah. But can I just tell you that most theology and beliefs are formed in a tremendous way by songs and music. Let me ask you, what sticks with you longer? The sermon or the songs? I've been in ministry a long time, but I don't ever recall anybody leaving humming one of my sermons. (laughs) Now, that's not an attack upon if you want to listen to us, that's fine. What I'm saying is this. There are messages that are subtle that are being communicated. And that's one of thousands of songs. And we could have picked songs that had a worse message and better message. That's not the point. The point I'm making is this. I was scanning the radio dial, riding down the highway. It caught my ear. It sounded good. I could even sing along after a while. Most people are good. But the problem is the Bible says the exact opposite. Work your way to heaven. The Bible says the exact opposite. Love whoever you want to love. Don't be ashamed of it. The Bible says the opposite. So what I'm saying is be careful. Be careful who you listen to. And so it seems that we need a filter. We need a filter. Because all these messages are coming at us, right? We're just bombarded. So we need a filter that will filter out the garbage from the good stuff. To to sift out the false from the truth. And the good news is, we have such a filter. And we'll talk more about it, God willing, next time. This time the lesson is clear. Be careful who you listen to. This week I want to challenge you to do this. I want you to stop and think about what message you're hearing. And I want you to evaluate what's being communicated. And I want you to weigh it against God's Word. And it's amazing when you begin to stop for a moment and just say, what exactly are they saying? And see if it lines up with God's Word. Be careful who you listen to. Let's pray. Before I pray, while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, are you a blessed person? Have you received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? If not, today's the day. Repent of your sin and place your faith in Christ. And then, Christian... What are you listening to? Who are you allowing to speak into your life? Are they pointing you to Christ? Are they pointing you to that which is right? Ask the Lord to search your heart, to search through what you're allowing into your life and show you if any correction needs to be made. And ask Him to help you this week to really be attentive, really be attentive to the message that you're hearing. And weigh it out against truth, his truth, the word of God. Father, thank you for your blessing. 
Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for this counsel that you've given to us. And Lord, we are bombarded with messages everywhere we turn. So Lord, help us. Help us to filter and sort through and to be discerning in what we're allowing into our lives and to weigh it against the truth of the Word of God. Bless these precious men and women. Thank you for them. Thank you for our church family. If anybody here today is lost, bring them a saving faith in Christ. If anybody here needs to come and pray or make some things right or do business with you, Lord, just give them the courage to come forward and fall on the altar and just make things right with you and leave here rejoicing in your goodness. Lord, thank you that though we're not good, you are. And so, Lord, we praise you for your goodness and we ask that you bless this time and this message and this lesson to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Hope you'll take that simple message with you this week. Be careful who you listen to. 325 is our closing hymn. Lord Jesus, I long to be perfectly whole. I want thee forever to ransom my soul. Break down every idol, cast out every foe. Now wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. The altar is open. If you want to come and pray today, we'd love to help you in any way we can. Or you can just come and pray on your own. Let's stand together. 325, whiter than snow.